Welcome back to the Tennessee Football Podcast. This is Clint Guffey. Nathan McLaughlin. What's up? It's always been so long, guys. Uh, things have been – Nathan's been coaching a lot, and I had some wisdom teeth removed the other day, so if I sound funny or don't talk very loud, I apologize. And I think you started a new job since the last episode we did. Thanks. May have may have started either that or you just you just started. Well, it's the time of the year again. Football season's back. Football season's coming around. That's what I'm talking about. So, yeah, I'm dancing right now. I think I'm more excited about NFL than in college. Is that weird? Yeah, that is kind of weird. I, I was just thinking today, and I was gonna send you a text before I came up here. I was like, dude, I'm so excited for football. Like, I don't, I don't even. I know how to explain it. And this was after I watched a video on, like, I think it was, like, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan or something like that. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited for football. Yeah, and I agree with you. He's going to get fired if he doesn't do that this year. I think so. Well, yeah, we'll just go ahead and knock that topic out real quick. So, um, Jim Harbaugh, you know, they were talking about it on Speak for Yourself, and this is another dumb thing Marcellus Wiley said. He said that he's been doing just fine as the head coach at Michigan. They haven't won a conference championship. They haven't won a conference championship. They haven't beat Ohio State. Just because they went what? Uh, did they No, they did go 10-3 and three last year. So that's not any better than they've been doing. No, and they got to play Ohio State at Ohio State at the U this year. I mean – is that what they're saying? How can, you, how can you actually sit and say with the expectations that were placed on his shoulder, how can you possibly say that he hasn't, that he's doing just fine? Like, he was expected to have them in national championship contention. They're not in national championship contention because well, 10 and 3 is not a national championship. They're put there every year, but that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. So I think, uh, I think it doesn't matter. If he has another 10 and 3 year, you know they they'll probably keep him around, but if they if they don't beat OSU, they are going to have big problems. OSU is just a better school. They recruit better. Urban Meyer recruited very well there. I yeah. mean, he's done he's done very well there too. It's just you judge. I mean, typically in the SEC, if you're not a one of the top ten programs, if you don't win a conference championship or at least a division championship, you're going to Yeah, and I would even argue that, like, Jim Harbaugh is not even coaching that well. Like, I would argue that, you know, he's probably getting out-coached a lot of times that he goes out on the field, you know, and and his superior talent is beating a lot of these uh, smaller schools uh, and kind of worse overall schools that they're going up against in the Big Ten. And when they go up against somebody that actually can coach, like Dan Mullen, they get smoked. That was very refreshing. It was all like Dan Mullen. So Very since we're rolling into college, what college what college stadiums would you want to go to watch a game? Oh yeah. Um yeah, I forgot about this one. This is really cool. Um I would say, um, and before we go into this, uh we were just talking about it earlier. I prefer watching games on TV to going to them because I just I think that the spectacle has gotten so good on TV that it's almost better than like going and watching the game in person. But um, I've been to what to see one in Bryant Denny. Um, I'd love to go to LSU Death Valley. Love to go to Clemson Death Valley. Um, I'd love to go to. Uh, forgot. I, I think it's. Uh, I don't know what. I, don't, I forget what the stadium's name is. Uh, Oklahoma Stadium. Mm, yeah. Um, 
because I'd love to hear like Boomer Sooner in the stadium and everything. Um, Daryl Royal Memorial Stadium for Texas, um, I think would be a pretty crazy atmosphere. Um, I'd love to go to Stanford Stadium and see one. Mm-hmm. I'd love to go to the Rose Bowl just to go to the Rose Bowl because Pasadena is just one of those magic locations. Um, I'd like, I'd love to go see one uh, at Notre Dame. Um, I'd love to go. Honestly, as much as I hate them, I'd love to go to the Horseshoe for Ohio State because I think that would be pretty crazy. The Big House has the most – I think it's got the biggest capacity. Michigan's Big House has got the biggest capacity of any stadiums uh, in college football. So, naturally, it kind of would make you kind of want to go there and watch one. I think another one that would be really good would be Wisconsin's. Um, I think Virginia Tech's would be really good. I think the Swamp in Florida would be really good. Uh, Between the Hedges at Georgia would be good. Um, And I wouldn't even mind seeing an Iron Bowl played at uh, the Jordan-Hare Miracle Dome. You know, because I call it the Jordan-Hare Miracle Miracle Dome because they always seem to have some kind of miracle. Give an Iron Bowl in uh, uh, in Legion Field. Yeah, like back in the day. Uh, The ones I wrote down was Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, the Rose Bowl, Stanford Stadium, Baton Rouge, Death Valley, um, Mountaineer Field. Uh, Mountaineer Field for West Virginia? Yep. Milan Pusker Stadium. Uh, FSU's Doug Campbell Stadium. Yeah, that would be a good one. Just to hear the chants. Uh, Autzen Stadium in Oregon. The Zoo, yeah, that would be the a really zoo. good one. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, the Big House. And then Penn State. Happy Valley. Uh, and then any of the Midwest schools, so Iowa, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska. and seeing the uh, the wave would be yeah. awesome. Uh, any of those Midwest schools, I think, would be cool. Uh, Nebraska's, yeah, would be a really good one, uh, especially now with Scott Frost back there. So um, any of those Midwest schools. Neyland Stadium, Tennessee, would be yeah. probably pretty good. Uh, if they got a little better if, if Jeremy Pruitt gets them turned around. Um, JSU, I don't know why it's close as we are to JSU. I don't know why we've never. I know JSU's got a and JSU's got a great program at their level. Um, yeah, those are all those all sound really great. Um, there's a, there's a lot of great stadiums. College football is just so awesome. Pageantry is just amazing. I think um, it'd be cool to watch the Red River Rivalry in person. Red River Rivalry would be great. Um, uh, Texas A and M be a good one to watch live 12th man mm-hmm. um that's like another bigger capacity stadium too yeah especially in the cow field is what it's called yep. um that would be one that's be pretty fantastic to go watch um man there's just there's a lot of really good ones um i think it'd be cool to live in the midwest not getting off topic but i think it would be cool to live up there and like like if you played football in high school like if you play you grew up in like wisconsin grew up a badger fan so you're probably fed pretty well yeah. And so you're probably going to be built like J.J. Watt or any of them already. Exactly. Even if you're not the same height, you're probably still going to be built like that. So it would just be a cool atmosphere. To yeah. Live in. I bet you an underrated one that would be pretty cool to go see a game in would be the Fargo Dome, uh, North Dakota State. Those people are wild. They're crazy. I think that one would be pretty good. Um, Mike Leach up at Washington State. I think he's got Washington State where that would be a pretty cool one to watch too. I've I've always wanted to go to uh, Oregon game because they always play that uh, that siren off Silent Hill. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That would be pretty sick. Uh, so 
As we're rolling into college football, what are your expectations of Bama this year? I mean, they're obviously pretty high, but they're usually the same every year. The expectations, if they can stay healthy, because we're getting disappointed because a lot of guys are just frigging, it seems like guys are just falling off the map now. Like, you know, DJ Dale got hurt the other day, but he's supposed to be ready for the season. But Trey Sanders is out for the year, which sucks. Um, they're supposed to be out for the year. If they can stay healthy, I mean, they're going to be right back in it. I mean, we always put LSU every season as a team that can beat Alabama. And they can. The problem is, will they? Probably not. 29 nothing. Let's I, mean, I mean, the thing is, their offensive coordinator, Steve Insminger, is, I mean, he's kind of a guy that Coach O is more loyal to than is actually a really good coach. I mean, and, you know, not trying to insult him or anything, but, you know, you look at his offense, they're not putting up a whole bunch of yards. They're not putting up a whole bunch of points. You know, and Joe Burrow is not some kind of special quarterback. Joe Burrow is like 10 years behind. Like <clears throat> exactly. McElroy and all those type of pro-style quarterbacks are playing Absolutely. very well 10 years ago. You That's know. not the case. Anymore. And they lost Nick Brosette, who was a good running back last year. Um, they lost him. Um, you know, they've, they've – Lost, they've lost some guys, and at the same time, it's just like you're you're not super confident on Steve Ensminger as offensive coordinator. And yeah, I understand Matt Canada didn't do much more against Alabama, but they did score ten points at least. I mean, he has Steve Ensminger was the interim OC in 2016 when Alabama uh, LSU played, and then he's the official offensive coordinator last year. And in two games against Alabama, a net total of zero points. So. And I understand he had Debbie Etling at quarterback, and then he had uh, Joe Burrow at quarterback. But, you know, the one game a guy puts up 10 more points than you do in two, um, you know, and you get shut out in both games. Um, so LSU is kind of one that's like, you know they've got the talent to probably compete in the game, but are they going to win? Probably not. I think Coach O can will them to a lot of wins, and they can will themselves and – Talent-wise, they can get a lot of wins, and I hope they keep beating Auburn because I love it. I love them that they keep whipping Auburn every year. But when it comes to Alabama, they've got to be prepared. And did they play – they played at Death Valley last year. Alabama's got them at home this year. I don't like LSU's chances against Alabama. And that's not that's not being an Alabama fan. That's being an objective bystander. That's I don't like I don't like their chances in Tuscaloosa against Alabama. No, and Tua played with a bum knee last year and outran their entire defense. Exactly. And, was, and that was, I think, uh, I think he outran them in the second half when Devin White got back out on the field too. Yep. Um, you lose a lot of really good players like that, Devin White, Greedy Williams. You know, they've got a great safety, Grant Delpit. That's a he's a good player. Uh, if you ever really pay attention to LSU's games, you'll realize Grant Delpit kind of flies off of your screen as a really good player, but. You know, one player does not a season make and does not a win against Alabama make. If that one player is going to beat Alabama, he's got to be a quarterback. There's not going to be one player anywhere else that's going to beat Alabama. No. But um, you always have to kind of worry about Auburn. I don't really worry about Auburn because their offensive line is not good. They're more experienced this year, but they're still not good. Uh, and the fact that they'll have a freshman or redshirt freshman that'll be a quarterback. And I understand Bo Nix is highly regarded, and he's going to be a good quarterback. And then there's Joey Gatewood, who everybody thinks is Cam Newton, but he's not Cam Newton. They're not. Um, they they have one or two good, decent wide receivers. If Will, 
if midget Will Hastings can get healthy, then I worry about him because Alabama always has trouble covering white wide receiver in the slot like they did with Hunter Renfro. Um, you know, and then they'll have that Eli stove top uh, hat uh, that'll be, you know, running the little fly sweeps and doing all that jazz and all that wing tee stuff and the high school offense. Um, and they do have one good wide receiver, Seth Williams, but – you know, you have to worry about their offensive line. Defensively, if Derek Brown hadn't come back, I would have said that Auburn had no chance. But I do have to give Auburn a little bit of chance because they're at the Jordan Hare Miracle Dome. And because, you know, freaky stuff happens at the Miracle Dome. Um, and then, you know, Derek Brown's back on the defensive line. And he's kind of like Carl Lawson was a few years ago. You absolutely have to get him blocked or he'll just run into the backfield every play. Um so you do have to worry about Auburn a little bit, just a little bit, just because they're at home and just because Derek Brown came back. But freshman quarterback, not a very good offensive line. I don't like their chances, but you do have to give them a chance. Uh, Texas a and is going to be a better team. Uh, if Kellen Mond plays really well at quarterback, that could be a game, and that could be a game that you have to worry about. But I think last year they were at Kyle Field. I think this year they're going back to Tuscaloosa, so. Texas A&M better watch out in Tuscaloosa. Um, you know, obviously I'm really worried about Duke, you know, beating Alabama. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Duke's going to get absolutely smacked around in that first game. I'm glad. <laughs> it's going to be like a tenacious D with the Devils. Like I'm going to make him like the Scarlet Pimper now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Duke's, Duke's finished. Um, they'll probably end up going 1-11. I'm glad Saban came out and said they want to play more power five. Yeah, it's going to be – that's – I mean, it's nothing but good for the program. But um, I just don't see many people that can really just beat Alabama. They can't – there's not – for one, there's no team on the regular season schedule that can line up and beat Alabama. There's no team that's going to – that would line up and beat Alabama. Um, but there are teams that, you know, due to some factors could give Alabama a run for their money. I think Auburn could just because they're at home and crazy stuff happens in that freaking stadium of theirs. When they're away from that stadium, they can't, you know, they can't buy a win usually. Um, you know, but I don't, you know, Texas A&M can line up and play with Alabama, but probably, but I don't think that they can, I don't think they're there yet. LSU can line up and play with Alabama probably, but they can't line up and beat Alabama. Mississippi State lost a bunch of defensive players. Man. Mississippi State lost a bunch of defensive players. Jeffrey Simmons, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Abram, and, a, and probably a couple of others. Uh, plus, they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback. Um, plus, I don't – I think that Joe Moorhead has got a ceiling to be a uh, all right to good head coach. I don't think he's going to be an elite head coach. I just don't see it out of him. I see too much – overconfidence and too little getting it done, um, especially with the talent that they had last year. So um, I don't super worry about Mississippi State. Um, Ole Miss has become a joke uh, since they're not paying for their players anymore. They really can't win hardly any games against actual good teams. They can win against teams that can't stop an air raid offense, but when they actually go up against a good team, they get smoked. And they're probably going to get smoked again against Alabama because that's just what's happening. Um, so, like I said, I don't, I don't really see anybody on the regular season schedule that can that can line up and beat Alabama. Georgia is a team that can line up and beat Alabama. I don't care what – I don't care about Paul Feinbaum saying, well, they're not quite there, but they're, like, almost there. They're there. 
They have been for two years. They are there. They've had Alabama. The problem is Kirby Smart's getting out coached in the second half. They're there. They can beat Alabama. And I, that comes from the biggest Alabama fan. I'm not too naive to admit that Georgia can line up and beat Alabama right now. And they were lining up and beating Alabama in the last SEC championship game. And they choked. They can line up and beat Alabama. And they're returning some offensive line guys. They can line up and whip Alabama if they want to. The problem is Kirby Smart's got to got to keep a hold on it. So Alabama can lose to Georgia. I'm not going to say they're going to, but they can lose to Georgia. When they get to the playoffs – if Jalen Hurts and Oklahoma are in the playoffs, I don't like Oklahoma's chances. Not because I don't like Jalen Hurts. It's because I think Lincoln Riley's still young. And I think he's too focused on offense. They don't have a defense. I hope Jalen proves me wrong. I just don't see them. I know Texas is their only opponent in the Big 12 that's worth anything. I just don't see exactly. them being very good. Because I really don't – I don't see um, – Neil Brown coming in and making West Virginia, you know, and leading West Virginia to, you know, a 10 and 2 or 11 and 1 record in his first year. I think he will eventually. He'll get them back to Dana Holgerson or even better level. I don't think that they're going to be right now. And I don't think they're scary enough to take Oklahoma on if they're even on the schedule, which I think they are. Um, TCU is always a team that you can kind of, that you always have to kind of worry about in the Big 12 with, uh, you know, Gary Patterson's just a great head coach, but I just don't think that they've got quite the talent to really make a push for anything. If there's going to be a playoff team, it's either going to be Texas or Oklahoma out of the Big 12 if there's going to be a playoff team. Uh, so it's going to come down to who wins the record for rivalry. It's going to be the one that, you know, people are going to be looking out for as far as making the playoffs. Um, well, I mean, didn't Texas beat Oklahoma last year and then Oklahoma beat them? And then the, Oklahoma beat them in the Big 12 title Yeah. Game. So yeah, turn around and won that one because uh, Oklahoma State, you can kind of, you know, they're they're kind of on the outside looking into those two teams, but I just don't think Oklahoma State's quite there. Um, I don't think they're quite there with the talent level. Of Texas I, just, I wonder how Jalen's going to do. And uh, I mean, from all reports indicate that he's doing pretty well. Um, you know, I hope hopefully he's he's gotten passing a lot better. You know, uh, which. You're pretty much running plays against air in the Big 12, so I mean it's not not too hard to do. But um, you got C.D. Lamb to throw to, who's a pretty good wide receiver in his own right as well. You got some good running backs that are returning. So you know the problem is they lose a lot of offensive line, a lot of offensive. Well, line. I think like three a, or four starters. They had like the the best offensive line in college football last mm-hmm. years. Yep. They won that award. They did, and you know let's shout out. To you, Alabama, you need to be fixing that offensive line and get back to what we do. You need to get back to what Alabama does on offense and quit, you know, getting bullied in the run game. You know, we got to have that run game back. It can't just be all RPOs. Mike Loxley did a great job of the offense last year, but I'm starting to see where what everybody else is talking about. It was a little too much RPO and not enough run last year. You know, it was a little too much throw the ball downfield and not enough. Let's grind out a little bit. There's always been a pattern, and, and it kind of disappeared when Derek was there. Big old D. Henry, uh, because it, he just he ran over everybody. But there's always been a pattern of not doing what works. If one thing works, they stop doing it and start doing something else that doesn't work. Exactly. You can go back all the way to JPW and Saban's first 
Yeah, and it goes through all the good offensive coordinators we've had, like Jim McElwain, and it goes to Lane Kiffin, too. You know, they'll get away from doing the stuff that is winning us the game, and but then we'll turn around and we'll start doing it again, and it'll be fine. You know, so Taylor can throw the ball. Great. We have great wide receivers out there. That doesn't mean that we're an air raid offense now. We've still got some good running backs. We, st- we got two running backs back there now, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson. And, yeah, Trey Sanders got hurt. We really wanted to see him. But a lot of people have been talking about, or not a lot of people, but there's been a few people, and I like to listen to those chirping birds every now and then, been a few people talking about this third-string guy named Jerome Ford. He's a physical running back, and that's what I like to watch at Alabama, physical downhill running backs. I don't like watching these T.J. Yeldons that try to dodge everybody. I like to watch people that run over people like Josh Jacobs did last year like Derrick Henry used to do, like Eddie Lacy used to do, like Trent Richardson used to do. I like seeing Alabama's physical. We're absolutely going to wear you out in the fourth quarter. You don't want to tackle us in the fourth quarter type of running backs. And I think Najee Harris is that kind of guy. I think that Brian Robinson's that kind of guy. And if we've got a third guy like Jerome Ford, if he's that physical, then that backfield is going to be something to watch. And if we can get some movement on that offensive line and get Deontay Brown, Cornbread Brown, back from uh, – back from suspension because he's the best, probably one of the best run blockers on the team on the offensive line. Get him back, throw him back in the lineup. We better move the ball running it. We don't need to rely so much on RPOs and rely so much on throwing the ball with Tua as great as he is at it because the more we can run the ball, the better Tua is going to become. Yeah. That's what makes talking about getting away from things that, that are working. That's what makes the Patriots so good. Absolutely. And they kind of shifted it because Tom Brady, I don't care what anybody thinks, Tom Brady was not as good as he has been last year. And if he got hit a little bit more, it would have been even worse. But they started running the ball. Started running the ball. Bill Belichick started seeing, you know, like in the the, uh, Super Bowl, Tom Brady wasn't carving up the defense like he was against the Eagles a year ago. He wasn't carving up that Rams defense. What'd they do? Start running the ball a little bit. Started getting a rhythm established, and they ground out and won the game. You know, and it's probably going to get that way a little bit because Tom is getting older, and I'm not dis- disputing his greatness, but he's getting older. It's not going to be 50 touchdowns and five interceptions anymore. It's not going to be hitting Randy Moss on the outside and giving him almost 2,000 yards. It's not going to be that way, regardless of what people want. But um, to to end the Alabama talk, um, the pressure's on Clemson now. The pressure's not back on Alabama to do great again. The pressure's on Clemson to keep, to keep doing what they're doing. The pressure's on Trevor Lawrence being the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. And listen, Trevor Lawrence is good, very good. But can we give him another season real quick before we talk about how he's the greatest of all time, you know, greatest person we've ever seen at the quarterback position? Because I said that about two when two won a national championship. Exactly. They started saying that, and then all of a sudden Trevor Lawrence comes in, and now it's all of a sudden, you know, Trevor Lawrence is the greatest college quarterback we've ever seen, and I love it. I love it. Please talk about talk about Clemson and keep talking about him. Don't talk about Alabama because that's when you got to watch out. I wish they would drop Alabama by number four. Oh, I wish they would too. I wish Alabama starts the season number five, number six, something like that. But but you know what? Starting number two is good. When Alabama starts number one, they always will get there right to the end and they'll screw it up. Or if they lose a game and 
during the season, and then they'll drop to number three or four. I'm fine with that because typically they climb their way back. And yep. except for the 2014 season, that didn't happen. The only thing is, is now I just don't see anybody on Alabama's schedule besides like Georgia in the SEC championship game that can actually beat Alabama, uh, unless Alabama just really shoots themselves in the foot. And the other thing that we proved last year is Clemson is one of those was that team. There is a team that can go 15 and 0 and win that college playoff. It's not hard and it's not. It doesn't have to be that you have to lose a game and then crawl your way back up and win. Alabama can win 15. They can win 15. They've got to focus. I like what I've been hearing out of camp that they're leaders and they're, you know, they got better leadership. And, you know, we don't have chirping birds like Mac Wilson anymore that want to sit there and talk about how great they are and how they're going to win the Buckus Award. And then when it comes down to the nitty gritty, you give up 44 to Clemson. We ain't got that no more. We got Dylan Moses saying, Dylan Moses kind of throwing some shots at Mac Wilson mm-hmm. saying, you know, hey, we're, we're not about individual awards here. We're about being a team. And, you know, I love that leadership out of it. I love that leadership that we're getting out of the team. You know, Raekwon Davis is talking about how he had a bad year last year and he owned up to it. He didn't have a bad year, but he got keyed in on. And then Quinn Williams opened up. But Raekwon Davis is talking about he wants to get better and the team wants to get better. We got to get the team better. You know, I like the fact that uh, – We've got an underrated guy that's opposite middle linebacker, opposite Dylan Moses. We've got a guy named Joshua McMillan that's stepping up. And this guy is not the biggest athlete in the world, but he's an engineering major. He's smart. He knows what he can, he knows what to do out there. His brain fires quickly because I know how engineering majors are. Their brain fires quicker than I do because I don't know, I don't like doing that. But his brain's gonna fire quick. He's gonna know exactly what to do. And he may not be the most athletic guy out there. But he's good enough to play for Alabama, and he'll be around the ball because he knows he's smart. He knows what to do. Terrell Lewis is back. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about how Terrell Lewis looks even better than he did before his injury. And you better watch out for Terrell Lewis because it's six five, two hundred and fifty pound guy that runs as fast as he does. You better watch out for him. And he's mad. He's mad that he's had to miss all these seasons these past few years, he's a bad and he man. will hurt you. He's a bad man. Uh, he, I, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Ayabi or Ayabi Anoma. Yeah, him leaving. What is up with that? I know like back in February they said that he put his name in the transfer portal and then pulled his name back out. I heard that um, from what Coach Saban said is that that was actually he was dismissed from the university. I thought it was he was just trying to transfer away and trying to you know find the easy way out like every kid does. Or I'm homesick, I want to go back home. Nope, he got dismissed from the university. He's at Houston now, so. And it's actually not as much of a story as I thought it was going to be, but you so know, why was he dismissed? I, I'm not sure. I, 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 yeah, I really don't know. Um, I just know that Nick Saban said he was dismissed from the university, and uh, I guess that's that. You know, that there that chapter closes for for Mister Anoma. You know, and I think he's an athletic, really athletic guy. A really big athletic guy, but the problem with him is he just seemed like he didn't really know what he was doing. He was just kind of making athletic plays against the second team. That's probably true. So he, it may not be that big of a miss out, you know, when it comes down to it. So, so moving into the NFL now, uh, this is this is who I'm predicting to win the divisions: uh, the AFC East, Pats, obviously the North, Pitt. Your beloved Steelers. Uh, I like the Colts in the South. If Andrew Luck can stay healthy, uh, he's had a calf injury now for four months. Yeah, I've been hearing about that. 
Uh, and then the West, obviously the Chiefs. And then the East, NFC East. Uh, I like the Eagles if Carson Wentz stays healthy because he's a monster. Uh, the North, if Aaron Rodgers, I like I like the Packers winning that division. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't keep rolling his eyes at Matt Lafleur, they've already said that they're running into big problems with those two. Like already, Jesus so, Christ, come on, Aaron, get it together. Uh, in the South, the Falcons, I like them. Uh, in the West, the Seahawks. I they. I watched it the other day, and I think I was still high on my medicine. So I'm probably going to butcher it. But they were running into – they said that, like, he would uh, – uh, Aaron was complaining about the joint practices and complaining about just different things. And then Matt LaFleur would say something, and he would just roll his eyes. And so this this is – if they have a bad year this year, this is on Aaron. It's going to be on Aaron. And I they mean, will get rid of him. Unless he just gets hurt. If he gets hurt, then it's not really on him. But if he doesn't get hurt and he just sits there and complains about everything and they don't live up to expectations, it's on him. It's not on Matt LaFleur anymore. <laughs> you know, you got a franchise quarterback. Everybody talks about how he's a great talent, and he is a great talent. He's And technically by his stats, I mean, if he keeps on the pace he's on, I mean, he's going to have a lot of records when he gets older. But he's got to fix his attitude. Um, I mean – He's not. He's not going to fix his attitude at this point. I mean, he's just. He's going to be set in his ways, and he's too rich and powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And he's too powerful within the organization as well. He's not going to change his attitude now. But come on, just let bygones be bygones, and work with the guy. Work with your new head coach, and try to win some games. Um, so, in the AFC East. Um, there's really not much – I mean, there's not much to say. The Patriots are going to win it. You know, the Jets will probably be the team that would be most likely to make a push and push the Patriots, but the Patriots are going to win that division. They're going to win it as long as Tom Brady's up there. I don't I don't remember. It's Tom Brady's league until Tom Brady retires. Exactly. Um, AFC North, you want – your gut instinct or your heart wants, wants to say Browns, you know, Oh, well, the Browns have got all this stuff. I think that they miss out one or, on one or two games. And I really don't want to pick them because I feel like I'm going to jinx them. But I'm going to pick a newly rejuvenated and newly focused Pittsburgh Steelers to uh, win the that's division. That's why I pick Pittsburgh is because they don't have any distractions. And if Ben Roethlisberger can stop throwing 30 interceptions a year, you know, they'd have even better of a chance and stop blaming everybody else for his interceptions. That would probably help him out a long way. But, you know, you do have to like the Browns. They've got a leader at quarterback that's a good player. They've got a head coach that's really putting his foot down. You know, when people are calling out his and questioning his integrity and questioning his character, he comes out and he's got something to say about it. You know, and you've got these guys, you got talent there too. So, you know, the Browns obviously have to be that team that you watch out for, but I'm going to have to pick the Steelers just because this is the first year that we're really focused in on the Browns. You know, they may not be able to handle it this first year, and I think a newly rejuvenated and newly focused and a newly intense Pittsburgh Steelers will pull the division out there. Um, AFC South. Um, See, yeah. That's I, a weird division because, it's, it's such because a weird Tennessee, division. Tennessee beat the crap out of 
Dallas on Monday Night Football and the Patriots on Sunday, yeah. and then turn around and get blown out by the Bills. Because so, the, the AFC South is such an open division right now. You've got the Colts. If Andrew Luck can stay healthy, they've got – and he's an absolute snub from the top 100. Quentin Nelson at guard has com, come in, and that offensive line is one of the best in the league now. If Ryan Kelly can stay healthy, man, they they got a monstrous offensive front. And their defense is solid. They got a solid defense with a freaking tackler and Darius Leonard back there in the back. You know, they and then they got a you know Malik Hooker at safety, and you know they've got some they've got some key pieces. Um, so it's a team that you know if Andrew Luck stays healthy, you've got to have them in the conversation. But then, if their offensive line isn't terrible, the Texans and if they Deshaun Watson protection though, if Deshaun Watson can stay healthy, you've got to watch out for them because. You got them, and then you got J.J. Watt on that defense. Mm-hmm. Um, is Jadavion Clowney still holding out? I think he is still holding out, and I think there is possibly what I heard today is that there is a possibility that the Eagles will be trading for Jadavion Clowney and making that move. So that, that'll be something to watch out for. They still got Whitney Merciless, and they still got some good key players on that team as well, though. Um, but then you've also got – the Titans, who really shocked a lot of people last year, and they could keep that up and, and be even better this year. the playoffs two years ago, went to the second round of the playoffs. Absolutely. And then you can't really discount the Jaguars because they're good, a good defensive team. And then Nick Foles, you know, can Nick Foles handle being the starting quarterback once again? If he can handle it, then you got to watch out for him. If he can't handle it, then Jaguars will be at the bottom of the division. Um so I, I really don't want to pull a knee-jerk reaction, but I'm on, and I don't want to sound like I'm too similar to you, but I mean Andrew Luck stays healthy, I see the Colts winning it, you know, by a game. You know, there might be they might be one game ahead of somebody else, but they're Sean's really good, and if if they can have a good offensive line for him, I think that that's a team to watch out for. Like they'll beat anybody. Absolutely. The Colts blew them out of the water last year. Definitely, and then. Uh, the AFC West, um, Arrowhead, the Chiefs. I mean, can you really go against them at this point? Um, the Raiders, you think, will be better, but they're not ready to contend for the division yet. The Broncos are not – they've got some good players in certain positions, and they will have a good defense with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb there, and they got a defensive-minded head coach now. But the quarterback situation is something where they just are not ready to compete for that division title. Especially Joe Flacco. Yeah, I mean, Joe Flacco and, you know, they're not ready to compete for that division just yet because Joe Flacco is not good enough to win that division right now. You know, so you think the Raiders are going to be a little bit better. Uh, He can't put up 50 in the game to compete with Patty. Exactly. And then, you know – so you, you got the Broncos as well. You know, they're not quite ready there. The Chargers, I think. Will, the Chargers are the only team that really, I think, in that division can contend with the Chiefs. Chargers got to stay healthy. Yeah, but also you got Melvin Ingram wanting out of L.A. too. And if Melvin Ingram's wanting out, you know, that's one key piece on defense. And is it uh, Melvin Gordon? And Melvin Gordon's holding out. So they, And they're thinking about trading him too. And, I mean – all they've got behind him is Austin Ekeler, which is he's like a scat back. He's not really a he's not a guy that you hand it off to every now and like you do Melvin Gordon. So, you know, if they lose those two players, if they lose even one of those players, you know, I don't see the Chiefs getting getting beat out in that division. 
when we switch it over to the NFC side, the NFC West, you got Seahawks, you got the 49ers, you got the Cardinals, and you got the Rams. That one's kind of a tough division for me to pick because the Rams, you think, you know, Sean McVay and the Rams, you got a you got a good team. Cardinals are going to be the outright team that doesn't win the division, but they could, if Kyler Murray booms, they could here in a few years. Seahawks, as long as Russell Wilson's there, you've always got to watch out for them. They might not have enough pieces, but, you know, you always got to watch out for Russell Wilson. I don't see the Rams being the same team as they were last year. It's gonna, yeah, it's going to be kind of difficult. and People are kind of jumping – to conclusion and thinking Jared Goff's better than he really is. He got exposed in the Super Bowl. Well, and he dropped off like halfway through the season. Exactly. He's not – he's an all-right quarterback, especially being paired with a great head coach like Sean McVay is, great offensive head coach. But, you know, if he was paired with just about any other head coach, we wouldn't see that same Jared Goff. 49ers are a team you got to watch out for because Jimmy G's back in the fold. You've got a lot of – Pretty good players. They got a good offensive line. Uh, you know, he's got a good safety valve to throw to in George Kittle, that tight end. He's a beast. Um, you know, they've got a pretty good, they got a pretty solid defense, especially on defensive line. They've got some solid, solid starters, especially DeForest Buckner. You and know, they got their first round draft pick, uh, Nick Bosa. Yep, they got Nick Bosa on the defensive line. As long as they can stay healthy, it's probably going to be a beast. So, I mean, 49ers and the Rams will be who it comes down to with me. With the Seahawks, you can't count them out just because of Russell Wilson. But um, if I just had a knee-jerk reaction, I would say I th- I think the 49ers will surprise people and win the division. But um, without a knee-jerk reaction, I'd say the Rams will probably win it again, but they're not going to be as good as they were last year. Um, NFC South, you picked the Falcons to win the division, yes. right? I'm going to uh, – I'm on the descent from you. Uh, I think that people are kind of sleeping. They don't think that the Saints are going to be as good as they were. I think the Saints will be every bit as good as they were. I forgot about the Saints in that division. I think the Saints will be every bit as good as they were because people were talking about, well, they lost Mark Ingram. They want, they didn't care to re-sign Mark Ingram. They've got Alvin Kamara, who's a good p- football player, and all they got to do is have just some some other guy to kind of spell him. They locked up Michael Thomas. They've got a good. They've got a pretty good defense now. Cam Jordan, as long as he's there, they'll have a pretty good pass rush. They've got, and then you know Marshawn Lattimore at corner. Uh, I mean, they've got some guys. They got a bunch of Buckeyes on that team. They got to make sure that they've got a center because uh, their center retired, but they've got a good offensive line. Uh, Drew Brees can make it work like Tom Brady can with just about any receiver, and I mean. But he's also got good receivers. I mean, he's got Michael Thomas, you know, who's one of the top five in the league, uh, in my opinion. So I got it. I have to go with the Saints there. I do think the Falcons will be improved just because they lost Steve Sarkeesian. Um, RIP to Bama's offense. As long as they stay healthy, I think uh, the Falcons will be much improved as long as they find, you know, find Julio and find him in the end zone often. I think they'll be a much improved team. Uh, the Panthers, if Cam stays healthy, will be an all right team. I just people people like Cam Newton too much. He's not that good. He's a mid middle of the pack quarterback. They said that they're career. babying him too much, which this, I can understand. I mean, the dude's taking a beating. Like you played him like a running back. 
his whole career, and now he's paying for Absolutely. it. And he can't throw. I mean, at this point in his career, he's a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. He had one outlier season in 2015 where everybody thought he was the best in the league, and that was just a knee-jerk reaction, kind of like with Matt Ryan the following year. You know, he'll be improved. And uh, the Panthers, I mean, maybe maybe he'll be able to improve a little bit. Maybe he'll be able to stay healthy. And the Panthers being an all-right team, I don't see them as a threat to win that division unless the Saints just really drop off or the Falcons don't really improve. Um, the Buccaneers are not in, in the shape to win this that division. Is, this is James's year to make it or bust. It um, is. And, I think, and unfortunately, I think it's the same way with Mariota. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that uh, – I think if Jameis isn't good this year with uh, Coach Arians, Coach Arians will get rid of him, and he'll either get some veteran guy to come in, or they'll be looking for a quarterback in the first of the draft because next year, looking for too much Tua or somebody. He has too much talent around him. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'd say I'll go with the Saints in that one. Uh, Falcons will be much improved though, as long as they can stay healthy. The Panthers will be around, but I don't think that they're good enough to win that division. They'll still have a losing record. Yeah, and then the Christian McCaffrey and their defense is the only reason they've yeah, been good. Absolutely. Um, and then when you got the NFC East, um, you can't just completely count out the Cowboys. No, but it depends but, on if Zeke holds out. Yeah, if Zeke holds out, it's going to be a very tough for the Cowboys to win because I'm telling you, you know, every. These people that love the Cowboys and love like Skip Bayless, they they want to talk about how great Dak is, and Dak is a good quarterback, but he's got a good offensive line. He's got a good defense, a pretty good defense, good defensive players. Jalen Smith has come on really strong. He turned out to be a boom pick. The tackling you know, Dutchman. They went from yeah, the tackling Dutchman, Leighton Van Der Esch, Sean Lee. When he stays healthy, he's one of the best linebackers in the league. And Jalen Smith, you know, that's just an awesome story because everybody said, oh, well, his knee injury, he's done. He, he probably won't ever play again because he's got drop foot. Well, now he's even better than he was. Like, he's got the same explosiveness. They're, they're talking about his explosiveness is back to what it was when he was the main draft pick. And it shows because he's a tackling machine. Him and Leighton Van Der Esch and Sean Lee, you just about can't get around them. You know, if you're going to win, you got a nickel and dime on five and ten yards downfield because they're going to make the tackle at least ten yards downfield, if not sooner. You know, uh, Byron Jones is a pretty good corner that they've got. They signed Demarcus Lawrence back. You know, who's a great one of the great uh, pass rushers on the defensive line. So that's a team that you know, if Zeke doesn't hold out, you got to watch out for him. But the Eagles, if Carson Wentz can stay healthy, it's hard to contend with them. So what do you think about Zach holding or Zeke holding out? I just uh, – uh, and before we do that, NFC North, uh, I think the Packers just went outright just because uh, the Lions aren't good enough. The Vikings, I just think Kirk Cousins is a choke job. And the Bears, I don't like Mitch Trubisky. No, he's not good. So, uh, anyway, um, I think I think it just goes down to this whole – you know, I understand that they want more money, but at some point you got to start really making some – you know – at some point, maybe your ego needs to sit to the side, and instead of worrying about being the highest-paid player at this position in history or the highest-paid here, there, or everywhere, you know, I'm not saying to take a pay cut. You know, Tom Brady does it, but, you know, I'm not saying that, that every player needs to just take a pay cut and needs to struggle or, you know, needs to lose a whole bunch of money and just continue to get pounded into the ground and not make any money off of it. But at some point, you've got to you 
don't be so hard on I've got to have this much or I'm not playing at all. Like give the team that's giving you an opportunity, give them a little bit of leeway. See, I think the the mistake that Stephen Jones made was when he said that we're going to start Todd Gurley money and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. And now I understand where Zeke is coming from because he's led the league to the last three years. Yeah, he's one of the top three, four, five running backs. He would have read all three years had he not been suspended in six games. Absolutely. And and they're significantly worse without him being there. So I understand why. And I think I think this is the Cowboys organization's fault for for this whole situation that they're in because of them saying we're gonna start at Todd Gurley money and go from there. Yeah, I think I think so. I think he dug himself into a hole right off in negotiations, you know. Um I'll say this, you know, Zeke Elliott, the problem with him has been frequenting these nightclubs and stuff. You know, that's the other thing. That's one thing that I want to mention about the players in general. If you're making this much money, put a bar in your house and stay in the freaking house and quit going to these nightclubs and being stupid and trying to find some way to get in trouble. Yeah. But the other what's thing, so fun about I don't, I don't I'd like to jump on the bandwagon because I don't understand what's so fun about going to a nightclub anyway. You and me both. And especially if I was rich, if I was rich, that would give me more incentive to stay at the house and do whatever I want. I will build everything I need at my own house if I'm rich like that. Why would you go? Why do you want to go out to a nightclub? And all you're doing is going out with a bunch of stooges that are just like, man, I'm friends with him because he's got a bunch of money. He's gonna spend all. He's gonna buy all the drinks tonight. You know, why would you do it? I mean, do you just need some kind of self-gratification? Do you like being around a group of people? Do you like dancing with people that you don't know? Uh, Do you like getting caught up in situations that you're not supposed to be in as an NFL player or as a professional uh, sports player anyway? I mean, I don't understand, you know, and I'm I'm just an average Joe guy, and I don't even understand what the big deal is with going to a nightclub or why you're having so much fun at a nightclub. Like, dude, put a bar in your house, drink as drink some hen dog at like Shannon Sharp does at his own house, and smoke some Russian creams at your own house, and quit worrying about going to the nightclub, and focus on some freaking football during the season. I think the they knew what they were getting with Zeke though when they when they brought him because he was he got in trouble at Ohio State. Yeah. So you knew what you were getting. When you brought him in. And you knew you're also getting a talented player. Yeah. A really so talented player that you he always plays to pay. He's it's only affected his on field like his off field antics has only affected him one time. And you can also make the argument that Tyreek Hill, you know, didn't get punched at all and Zeke did. So Exactly. That is a problem, but I I just think that the Cowboys are to blame for this. And but also I know Zeke or uh, Jerry and Steven are probably saying, as much as we bailed you out of trouble, and this is how you need to give us a little bit of a pay, you know, you give us a little bit of leeway on this uh, salary issue. But that's like going and telling, you know, you're selling a business and you tell what you owe on the business and what you're asking for the business. And somebody offers you what you owe on the business and you're, that's not what you're wanting. Yeah, exactly. So, I think it's just kind of an all-around, you know, they dug themselves into a hole the Cowboys did from the beginning, with Steven saying what he did. But at the same time, I think, you know, Ezekiel needs to be a little more uh, open to discussion. Don't just absolutely get low-balled. I'm not saying that. But 
you're part of a team, yeah, and you want to win a Super Bowl. You ain't got a Super Bowl ring. You're not lead, You haven't led the team to a Super Bowl to getting everybody getting a nice little Super Bowl ring on their finger. You know, so until you do that, until you're Tom Brady or until you're somebody that's that's leading the team to the doorstep of the Super Bowl or to the Super Bowl every year, quit talking about. I, well, I need to feed my family. You're you're fine feeding your family. I, you know, I'm not saying to not get paid, but you need to be a little more. You need to just have a little bit more leeway in what you are willing to accept financially, and quit with the I'm not accepting any less than highest paid in the league. You know, non. You know, because you could probably take even less and still be the highest paid in the league. You know, but they're they're set on a a certain figure and then their agents are in their ear saying, Hey, you know, you're not taking any less than a certain figure. You're out of town, you know, because you know what the, you should know what the track record is. The track record is you're going to sit there and you're going to complain and whine about money. You're going to get traded somewhere else. You're going to get signed. Everybody's going to be happy about it. And then you're going to tear your knee up in camp. And then where are you going to be at? Yeah. Cause, and also like another, another way I can reason with them is because the shelf life on running backs and NFL is not very long. Shelf life is low. You and know. he's been, he has been the Cowboys for three years. Man, he's been Cowboys bell cow. I mean, uh, you know. I can see both points. That, I can understand, I can understand Zeke wanting to get paid, and I understand all players wanting to get paid, like Le'Veon Bell. I can understand you wanting to get paid because you've been a good player. But you're... Le'Veon Bell was kind of unreasonable, and I need this absolute much. I need the best running back in the league pay, and I'm not the best running back in the league because Zeke Elliott's playing right now. And then I'm not the best running back in the league because I'm not even playing right now. I'm on a jet ski, uh, you know, gaining weight and having this guy filming me talking about, hey, man, you need to go get your money. You know, you're not getting much money if you're not playing. You know, and I understand the Steelers are going – the Steelers were going to run them into the ground, and, you know, I understand that that's kind of messed up too. Uh, you know, they should have, if they wanted to re-sign him, they should have re-signed him and, you know, not he limited him. He also had a lot of problems with, like, failing drug tests, didn't he? And yes, he's failed drug tests, and he's had injury problems as well. And the thing is, is don't ask for best running back in the league money by far. Like, he was asking for an absolute crazy amount, like way more than the – next highest paid if you're not going to be the best running back in the league for one. For two, if you're going to sit and comp- continue to talk crap about your team while you're holding out, why is everybody going to get surprised when they start talking crap about him? Like all we've heard from the media is how Le'Veon Bell was getting done in injustice and the offensive line, when they were talking about him, it was unacceptable that they were talking about him like that. It's not unacceptable. It's unacceptable for Le'Veon Bell to be such a, you know, teabag about it, you know, where he can't, you know, come to some kind of compromise. He's got to be paid highest running back in the league figures by far, or he's not playing because he is going to cry about it, you know, and then he's going to sit there and talk crap about his teammates. And then Antonio Brown's going to sit there and talk crap about his teammates. And then we get mad at the team for talking crap back to the guys that were talking crap about them. How ridiculous does that sound? Yeah. It's like, no, no, don't retaliate or the media is going to come down on you because Le'Veon deserved him money. I've heard that so much times that I can't freaking wrap my head around it. I understand Le'Veon Bell needed to get paid more than what he was getting paid. 
I understand it. At the same time, stop smoking weed and getting suspended. You know, get your body in shape, quit getting hurt. Um, and quit talking crap about your teammates. That simple. And then we'll consider paying you more money. But, you know, when the team doesn't even really want you in the locker room, why are we going to pay you money to be in the locker room if we don't even want you? And then everybody's trying to say that that's the reason why the Steelers didn't go to the playoffs last year. No, that wasn't the reason why the Steelers didn't go to the playoffs last year. They just collapsed in some big games, and Le'Veon Bell wasn't going to make much of a difference anyway. No, and James Conner picked up the slack. It picked up the slack just fine. And then when James Conner wasn't picking up the slack, Jalen Samuels was picking up the slack. Yep. Because Jalen Samuels had a big game. When James Conner was hurt, Jalen Samuels came in against, I forget which team it was, came in and had a huge game. Over 100-something yards rushing against the, the team that he was playing against at that point. And he was a rookie. I mean, Le'Veon who? I mean, he would, you know, if he was going to run for 1,300 yards and catch for 600 yards, I mean, I understand those are great figures, but I don't think he was helping them to much more wins than they had. I think the the team overall, you know, just wasn't getting coached as well last year. And, you know, they've got to tighten up, and then their leadership has got to tighten up, you know. And Ben also threw 1,000 interceptions in the red zone last year, and that's going to shoot you in the foot more than anything else. It's not like Le'Veon Bell was just the magic solution that Ben was missing. No, Ben was just throwing it straight to the other team last year in the red zone. That was the problem, you know, but – I understand wanting to get your money, you know, in conclusion. I understand them wanting to get their money. They deserve to get paid money. They deserve to get paid good money. I'm not saying that they deserve to sit there and pout and whine and cry until they get a $100 million contract at a position that's not quarterback. Sorry. Dak needs to get paid, too. I mean, Dak isn't – he's not uh, Carson Wentz, but he needs to get paid – the thing is, is how the how the quarterback contracts are working. Dak is probably going to get paid a max contract that's going to be one of the highest in the league, and he does not deserve that. I'm he deserves saying, to get paid, but he does not deserve a, I'm not, a super high no, contract. No, 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 I'm not saying he deserves because he's not that good. No, I'm not saying that he deserves a high paying contract. What I'm saying is he deserves to get more than the three or four million that he's getting paid now. Well, that's just rookie deals. I mean, I, I know it is. If but, they want to fix it, then the players. The players union needs to go. Well, and fix I know, it. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Is he needs to, he, he deserves he needs to, to get more. He needs he deserves to get more, but he'll get more whenever his contract's up. Yes. Uh, and if I mean, if it's not as much as he wants it to be, and he starts complaining about it, well, he needs to play. I don't more. think he'll complain because, like, they I saw this on Skip and Shannon. He Dak got approached to do a commercial, and he asked Jerry. Or he told Jerry that he stepped away from the commercial because he wasn't the face of the franchise. And, yeah. and Jerry said, no, you go do that commercial because you deserve the money. Yeah. So that I mean, just tells you what kind of person Dak is. Yeah, I think he's – I mean, I think he's going to be a team player, and I think that, you know, quarterbacks are usually team players. You don't hear much about quarterbacks holding out. Um, you hear more holding out coming from these – running backs and wide receivers that think they're worth a little bit more than they really are. I mean, and I understand Zeke's position, but, you know, Le'Veon Bell is a good running back. I mean, one of the best in the league when he's available, you know, when he's not smoking weed and getting suspended or when he's not injured, like he was injured every freaking playoff game we ever had. When we go in there against New England, he was not available. So it's like, why do you keep paying money to a guy that's not going to be available in the biggest moment of the year? See, that's another thing with Zeke, though. 
like if you paid Zeke some absurd amount of money and he goes out and gets in a bar fight and gets suspended for half the year, you know, what are you paying for? For one, you're out that money, and for two, you're going to be really irritated. So, yeah, it's getting the whole money figures. I understand players want to get paid. They deserve to get paid, you know, good money. But there's got to be a difference between, you know, getting paid good money and I've, I'm going to ask for a ludicrous amount of money because I'm worth this much and even though my team is dependent on me to get back in and play, you know, I'm worth this. And so I'm just going to hold out and not play anymore, you know, just because I'm not getting paid this much money. And then what if no team signs you, which, you know, if you're that talented, I mean, some teams obviously going to pull the trigger on you, but what if no team signs you? What if no team says, I'm not going to spend that much money on a running back, especially one that sat out for a year, you know, what, what position are you in there? You're in no position. So, so you lost like Le'Veon lost like 14 million just by sitting out. Just sitting out. I mean, he was going to get franchise tag just because he wasn't getting signed to a long term deal. He was going to get all that money just from playing this year off of one franchise tag. You know, just because he wasn't getting more guaranteed money on a long term deal doesn't mean he wasn't going to get paid money. He was going to get paid a lot of money. On a year-by-year basis, he's probably going to get highest paid in the league at that point. If he's going to get paid $14 million for one season, yeah, that's probably highest paid running back in the league numbers right there. It's just not on a long-term deal. But what are you complaining about, man? I mean, all you got to do is pay, play one year and then go and get paid somewhere else. But instead, he just wanted to sit out, and he wanted to get on his jet ski, and he wanted to complain and whine and cry about how crappy the Steelers are. Now, of course, he's at the Jets. Sorry, guys. Uh you know, sorry, Le'Veon. Sailors gave you a freaking opportunity. And, you know, as much as you disappointed us by not being available in the playoffs and getting suspended for weed, you know. Stay off the weed. Stay off the weed. Duh. We still made an offer for you, and it wasn't good enough. And then the Steelers are the bad guys. So what do you think about Tyreek Hill, the cheetah, the child beater? All right, so I don't know. I I went back and looked at that, and I've heard conflicting stories. I've heard, A, that he could have done it, and then I've heard, B, that he actually didn't do it at all, and it was kind of like a frame setup type deal. So I don't really know too much about that situation because I don't know what to believe one way or the other. I can't really believe that, you know, if Adrian Peterson did it and all these other guys have done it and get, got suspended, um, it's either Tyreek did it and the NFL is so worried about losing out on some – great football that they didn't suspend him or it's he really didn't do it at all you know and the nfl realized that and they didn't suspend him so i don't really know you know that's kind of a confusing situation um which rookie after watching um preseason highlights what rookie you think is on the biggest impact biggest impact this year just this year i think I'll say that uh, I think offensive rookie of the year could very well be Kyler Murray just based on the fact of what offense they run because they were mentioning it, I think, on uh, – I think it was on first take. Uh, Ryan Clark said that he thinks that uh, Kyler will be the MV, or will be the offensive rookie of the year just because of the offense they run. He doesn't say that they'll necessarily be a good team, but they'll, he'll be putting up numbers on offense, and it's very possible that he could be the rookie of the year. And I think, I think it's – you know, very good point. You know, if you're going to pick a quarterback, I'd pick Kyler Murray because 
one, I don't think Daniel Jones, if he's going to start, he's not going to start until midpoint in the year. And if Dwayne Haskins starts, uh, I didn't see a whole lot out of Dwayne Haskins in that preseason yeah, game. Pick, like three times. pick, pick after pick, and I just, you know, he could probably he'll probably end up being an all right quarterback, but I don't see him being a rookie of the year caliber this year. Um, I think honestly, with the team in the position they are, I think the biggest impact player as a rookie could be Nick Bosa. Because I don't think – I think Quinn and Williams is good, but I don't know how there the Jets are yet. I think the 49ers are just a healthy season away from being there. And I think if Nick is as good as advertised, I think he can step in and make the biggest impact as a rookie and possibly be rookie of the year defensively. I can get down with that. Um Steve, what do you think about Baker chugging beers? Because um, apparently it's a controversial topic. Yeah, it's kind of kind of ridiculous. I, I, I can't th- believe it's a conversation. Yeah, I can't believe it is either. Uh, I think it. I think it's just a guy going out and you know having fun. I'd much rather my quarterback go out and have fun with a baseball game and do something like that than go to a freaking nightclub like I just talked about. You know, much rather you be having fun at a baseball game. And I think it's just, uh, you know, he's just, I think he's just having some fun. You know, there's a difference point. I think there's a big difference between having fun doing that at a baseball game and then having fun at a nightclub where you're liable to get in some kind of trouble because it's past 12 o'clock at night and, you know, you're liable to get in something with somebody. You know, I think there's different kind of ways to have fun. And I think it was just kind of a good way to have fun and, you know, a good way to especially have fun in Cleveland. You know, and so I, I don't think it's much of a topic at all. In fact, I think it's kind of—I mean, I'm—I'm not a big frat boy beer chugging. I'm not either. I like type of guy, but I—I don't think it's nothing to—not a big deal. Yeah, because Colin, uh, Colin doesn't like his quarterbacks to be doing that. uh, He just doesn't like Baker. You know, my my bottom teeth are really snaggled, and quarterbacks' teeth aren't supposed to be like that. That's why I'm not a quarterback. Because my bottom teeth are really snaggled. You look at Tom Brady's teeth, they're perfect. You know, have you ever had a boss that's had snaggled teeth? That's why he's not a boss for long. That's why I'm not a boss. That's probably something stupid like he was saying. Um, Colin makes some good points sometimes about people. I'm not going to say that he doesn't make good points ever because he does make some good points sometimes. Sometimes I'm really interested to hear what he's got to say. And then other times, like with Baker Mayfield, where he just cannot stand the kid because he rather he wants thick, chunky Sam Darnold to be better. And he's a thick, chunky coastal kid. You know, I'd, at this point, it's just like, why, why do you, why even hear what Colin Coward's got to say about Baker Mayfield? Because it's just bad after bad after bad. I can understand what you don't want your quarterback really doing. But, dude, it's just a beer chug at a baseball game, a Cleveland Indians game where he's going to support the freaking local team, the local baseball team, and then they're in turn supporting him. It's not like, you know, it's something I could even see Tom Brady doing, you know, honestly. Well, Aaron Rodgers tried to do it and he failed. I could see, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. I could see Tom Brady going to the Boston Red Sox game and doing that. He's probably not going to, but he I could see him doing that. He did it on national TV like on a Saturday night TV show. I mean, it's just like a late show. He chugged the beer. See, it's just, it's stupid. 
it's just stupidity and it's something it's just a Colin point. Uh, it's just a talking point that Colin picked out to where he could show his anger for Baker Mayfield even more because he doesn't want him doing this. He doesn't want him doing that. He doesn't want him doing the other. It's just, a, that's kind of a ridiculous talking point. Um, I think it's fine out of Baker. Um, I even think that the, like Indians started playing better after Baker did it, which is like just kind of shows this odd, ridiculous leadership ability that Baker Mayfield's got. You know, Baker's just got a lot of charisma. You know, he's a good, natural-born leader. Um, yeah, he does. Receivers. He's let himself get carried away a lot in college, and I didn't like some of the stuff he did in college. You know, he let himself get carried away against Kansas. He jumped around running up and down the field everywhere against Georgia, and then Georgia ended up whipping that ass for him. Uh, excuse my language. Um, you know, he's running up and down the field jumping around. But he was also a kid back then. You know, he's two years removed from college. Um, he's, you know, back into being the franchise leader. And a big thing is, unlike Johnny Manziel, he's a guy that likes to prepare. Yep. So uh, it's not a, it's not even a talking point with me. I, I think it's just something that was done in good fun. And I think Baker Mayfield's a great quarterback. I'm excited for the Browns because I really like Baker. I like Baker. I like Freddie Kitchens. I like... I don't like Odell Beckham Jr., but, you know, if he's going to help the Browns be better, you know, better than him going to the Patriots. Yeah, he was yelling at him the other day. Baker was yelling at the receivers for not running the right route or something. I mean, he's he's a leader. I mean, he leads that team. And I honestly, as much as I like Derek Carr, I'd rather have a Baker Mayfield than a Derek Carr because Derek seems like he's a little too passive in his leadership, even though he is a leader. You know, Baker's going out there and getting it done. You know, and I, I like that about it. We'll talk about the hard knocks and AB, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, I felt kind of bad for Derek Carr because he was, like, trying to be, like, the teacher's pet. I think I, – I forget which one said – once one of the analysts said it, but he's trying to be the teacher's pet, and John Gruden just kind of acted like he didn't want to have anything to do with him. Yeah. Did you get that vibe? I, yeah, I'm not really sure um, – I mean, I didn't really notice that. If I went back and watched it again, I'd probably notice it a little bit better. I thought that, you know, he he would make some throws and John would kind of, you know, acknowledge him and he say, hey, man, that's a good throw, man. You know, I don't I don't know. I didn't super see that, but maybe if I went back and watched it, I'd probably see it. Um, I think that – I think Derek is, you know, trying to make it work. I think John's trying to make it work. And I think John does it inside. I think he wants to coach Derek. You know, I just think that they've got to get on the same page. And Derek, you know, John's offense is really difficult to learn because he likes to use all this nomenclature and all this verbiage and stuff that really throws a lot of people off. It's really hard to learn these offenses. And he's not – and as much as I like John, he's never been a quarterback developer. You know, he's always gotten some kind of veteran guy to come in and run his offense for him. So um, – but he does have a veteran guy now. You know, so I I really hope they make it work. I know if uh, if they're making talking points about it, how it seems like they are really at odds ends with each other, I would really hope that they would, you know, kind of come together and make it work because I think they can make it work. And especially, you know, having some good receiving talent of Antonio Brown and, you know, Mr. Numfeed, if he can come back and actually play, then, yeah, I think that they can be good, you know, and I think they've got some talent. And, uh, you know, really hopefully make it work. I just, I, I just think that, you know, I think you were the one that said it. he's always tried to bring in older guys to make a team work, and usually it, sometimes it always fizzles out, and I think that might be what 
happens with AB. Um, is AB said yesterday that he was going to retire if he didn't get to wear his old helmet from Pittsburgh that's banned from the NFL now for safety reasons. Yeah, I mean, how, how dumb is that? Stupidity. Stupidity. I mean, with that, well, that's Antonio Brown for you. As great of a player as he is, he's just a, it's always some kind of freaking distraction with him. It's always something else. I think that's what separates him and Julio. Absolutely. That's, that's what does. And, you know, by sheer numbers, Antonio Brown, for me, until he drops off, has to be above, just above Julio. And he is a top wide receiver in the league. But that doesn't mean that I will want him over Julio Jones on my team. Because Julio is not a distraction. Julio is not a distraction at all. You can pay Julio $120 million and not ever have to worry about him doing anything other than catching touchdowns. Exactly. You pay Antonio Brown that, he's just going to ask for more money and complain because he can't wear a helmet that's been banned yep. by the NFL. The only thing you ever have to worry about with Julio is getting hurt because he never chirps, he never makes any noise. He's always just quiet and lets his play to the talking. He did that at Alabama, and he's doing that now. You know, but like I said, by numbers – Standpoint, I have to say Antonio is still the best in the league until he drops off. But Julio is number two, but that doesn't necessarily mean I want Antonio Brown over Julio Jones. If you're going to ask me, you got one receiver to pick out of any uh, any roster, and you can have him on your team free of charge. You know, I'm picking Julio Jones before I pick anybody because I know that I've got a guy that's almost the best in the league that's not going to make any noise. And I. Uh... And A.B. said the other, I think like a few months ago, he said that he doesn't need football. Football needs him. And football doesn't need him. No. He's like, I don't need football. I'm a millionaire. Just like the Steelers don't need him. The so, Steelers don't need him because if the Steelers needed him, we'd be winning Super Bowls. Yeah. Well, the Steelers don't need him. Football doesn't need him because football doesn't need that kind of distraction and that kind of chirping bird. You know, but to each his own, I mean, I guess, I guess if he wants to think that way, then whatever. Well, Nathan, that's all the topics I got. I don't Let's have any. Uh, I don't have one of those deep, thoughtful, weird questions like I always do at the end of the podcast. I well, just couldn't come up with one. Well, it's been a mighty, mighty good podcast. Been a been a little bit longer one here for but people to kind of enjoy. Yeah, we had, had a lot of good topics, yeah. and football season is just around the corner. And uh, yeah, thanks guys for listening. All right, see you next time.